Rich Lenkoff joins us now. He is the um, attorney with Downey and Lenkoff and the host of Legal Faceoff on WGN. Uh, let's talk a little bit about this story, Rich. Uh, it's It's been some time since that shooting now. A grand jury, though, yesterday indicted the father of the shooter. I tend not to use the name. You can use it if you want, but I think we give way too much um, attention. I, I, I think there's a certain glamour to these terrible crimes. I think the next young shooters out there hear the name of the person mentioned over and over again, and somehow they fantasize that that could be them, too, getting the attention. I never use the names. Anyway, the 4th of July parade in Highland Park. Uh, Rich, catch me up on this. What are the charges, and how is this working? Yeah, so the shooter's father, John, was charged was uh, charged yesterday with seven counts, one count each for every person who died, every victim who died during the uh, 4th of July parade in Highland Park. Uh, and the charge was reckless conduct. And the prosecutors alleged that the shooter's father helped his son obtain a gun license uh, many years before the shooting, even though the father knew that the shooter, who was 19 at the time, has threatened violence. Um, this is something that is an uphill legal battle, but not totally unprecedented. We're seeing a trend with this across the country with shootings. Um, for example, in the Oxford, Michigan shooting, right. the parents were also charged. So the young man apparently attempted suicide. That's allegedly, but he attempted suicide. He had made threats to kill members of his family. Uh, was he of a legal age to get a gun when his father got him a gun or sponsored him to get a gun? So in Illinois, as you probably know, the, the firearm owner's identification card, the FOID card law, says that you must be 21 to apply, to apply for the card. Anyone under 21, which was the case for the shooter at the time of the application, could also possess a card with the written consent of their parents. Uh, there is state law that actually holds parents civilly liable for any damages resulting from the illegal use of that firearm. Uh, if they give consent, of course, in this situation, we're talking about criminal liability. Uh, also, in the wake of Highland Park, there was an Illinois State Police emergency rule um, that narrowed the, uh, or basically allowed the police to determine whether someone presented a clear and present danger. If you present a clear and present danger, then uh, despite your parents' consent, the Illinois State Police, who are the issuers of that card, can prevent you from getting one. In this case, and in the wake of the Highland Park shooting, John, they said that the information they had before the shooting did not lead them to believe that there was a clear and present danger. Someone dropped the ball here, yeah. right? Because uh, in addition to threatening suicide, uh, the police were also called to the home when this future shooter had threatened to kill his family, but not just himself. Uh, recall that they confiscated during this visit something like 16 knives, a dagger, and a sword. Despite all that, someone determined that he was in a clear and present danger and decided to issue him a card. That's all very troubling. He didn't have a criminal record. He had not been arrested. He had not presented with medical or mental problems to hospitals or officials previously, whatever the family knew. There were no orders of protection against him. And shy of him committing a crime, the transaction that got him the gun with his father's sponsorship 
letter of the law then was a legal transaction, right? Well, it was a legal transaction, but again, the allegation by the Lake County prosecutor here is that he should have exercised better judgment, right? And given the facts we just discussed, including you know prior visits and many weapons, um, the allegation is that he should have known better than to sign off on this card, um, and he was at least negligent, and the criminal interpretation of that is reckless conduct. And the, guy, the, the father, as I understand it, he's, he's known around that area. He's been a mayoral candidate. He is pro-gun. And I don't know that, you know, so, so it's easy then to draw an inference like, well, so therefore he was reckless or, or was making a point by making sure that his son got all of these weapons. But the father didn't know what the son was going to do. Listen, I, I have an appetite for this kind of legislation I have an appetite for this kind of prosecution, but I already see how it's difficult to charge the father with a crime that, you know, for the crime of a son that you know the father would not have been party to if he knew it was going to go that way. Of course he would not have given his son those weapons if he thought the son was going to commit those crimes. Sure. I think, you know, in hindsight, uh, it would be hard to believe that anyone would consciously uh, facilitate a mass shooting, right? But that's not really the standard. The standard is at the time he signed off on the card, did he uh, exhibit the requisite judgment yeah. given all that he knew, again, including being uh, threatening to kill everyone. Those are the words he used uh, allegedly to a family member that you would still sign off on someone like that being able to possess a weapon. So, you know, it's certainly not the cleanest case, and that's why you don't see uh, these cases a lot, but it is something that I think is gaining a lot of traction around the country. You also, for example, are, are probably going to see something similar. It's a little different in the six-year-old who shot his teacher in, in Virginia. Uh, I think yeah. in that case, it's a bit of a harder prosecution. But again, the trend in these cases is for prosecutors to look for not just the uh, perpetrator of the crime, but also others who may have facilitated that shooting. Well, I'm glad you make that point, because there I am saying, of course, the father would not have known and therefore would not have done it had he known. That's kind of irrelevant here. It's anybody, you know, is it possible, though, that this young man could commit a crime like that? Sure, it's possible. And should you have exercised better judgment? Yes, you should have. I wonder what the penalty could be then for the father. What If, if he's found guilty, what happens then? Well, each of those counts is, you know, fairly serious, especially given the the um, the fact that the victims died. So he could be, you know, if convicted of all seven counts, and again, if you're convicted of one, logic is that you're convicted of all, then he would be facing uh, significant jail time. Now, again, there's some degree in this case and in any case like this that the prosecutor wants to send a message, but... Listen, there's a lot of pressure uh, on these kind of cases, especially since we're seeing shootings almost daily, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. We see some jail time. So I would not be surprised uh, to see a conviction and also jail time. And I, th- I, think that would, I think that would be about right, to be honest with you, Rich. I mean, we're all just reading the papers and listening to the radio, trying to follow this story. But one wonders, too, if that would not have a deterrent effect. I don't think that gun legislation or penalties 
affect the shooters, but it might affect the parents of the shooters. It might give them pause to say, hey, honey, you know our son has been erratic lately. Let's take, oh, I don't know, 60 weapons away from him and some ammunition for his sake and for ours. I could see rational adults making that decision. Not only that, that's the bare minimum. Let's face it. Listen to what we're talking about. We're talking about whether a parent should sign off on giving a child a weapon who has threatened to kill himself, threatened to kill others, and has daggers, knives, machetes. That would seem like if you just dropped on this planet from another, you know, (laughs) another atmosphere, you would think, yeah, that's a no-brainer. How about also forcing parents to actually take some proactive action and get their kids help and warn people? I mean, that's that's the basic that you would think in a civilized society, but we're, you know, we're far away from that, it seems like, at this point. Rich Lenkoff, thank you, sir. You can hear him wax on about this sort of thing. It's a very good podcast called Legal Face-Off. Okay, we'll talk to you later. Thanks, Rich. Thank you, John. I appreciate it.